Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to this very special spoiler special for Avengers Age of Ultron, dedicated of course to the second Avengers movie written and directed by Joss Whedon. Joining me today to discuss the movie in excruciating detail are Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. All good, the better good. for having seen Age of Ultron. Three times like myself. Three times like so myself. So you're, yeah, we're kind of in the tank for it, says the man wearing the Captain America Winter Soldier t-shirt. Anyway, it's time to hear it there. Also here to discuss the film, Dan Jolin. Hello, I've only seen it once, but uh-huh. all the other Dan Jolins have also seen it once each. So actually, altogether, all the Dan Jolins that there are have seen it about 77 times. You have the cumulative knowledge of all Dan Jolins. That's right, yes. Ever, right. ever since I took over the internet. <laughs> Watch out, Dan. He may try and escape through the internet at any second. <laughs> I'll see you to discuss the film. Uh, Nick DeSemlian, how are you? Hi, Chris. I'm good. I totally support your Avengers podcasting. <laughs> One of the lines. That's a reference. I love that, I love that line. I, I totally, get that reference. I totally support your Avenging. Nick and Dan, you liked the film, but you didn't love it as much as, as Helen and I. Is that... I didn't love it. Uh, Yeah, I didn't love it as much as the first Avengers or the last Captain America. Mm-hmm. More than Thor: The Dark World. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I didn't like it as much as Iron Man three. It's a shame because it feels really strongly about you, Dan. But I, I just wanted to lay out your credentials in case people yep. thought that this was just going to be a one-hour Marvel loving that you guys are here to bring Helen and myself down in case we get <laughs> we get too high. And if you get too low, we're there to you know be enthusiastic at you, which is which is always good. Um, but before we do, before we discuss the film in great detail, and of course, as this is a spoiler special, we will discuss it in excruciating detail, including the ending of the film, all the big third act revelations, and the mid-credit sting, as we're calling them now. If you haven't seen Avengers Age of Ultron, don't listen to the rest of the podcast. Do go and see the film, preferably more than once, just you know, because you know what we're talking about, not because I'm a shareholder. I'm not a shareholder. I wish I was a shareholder. Uh, and then come back and listen to the podcast uh, because we're about to hear from the man who wrote and directed the film as well. Before we get into the film, uh, I went along last week and spoke to Joss Whedon when he was in London and we talked about nothing but the big revelations of the film, including that thing that happens to that character, the other thing that happens to another character and all the big stuff in between. Uh, so do enjoy this, Joss Whedon. Level from you, Joss. Okay. blue. And when I invented the medium of television, I said, <laughs> perhaps Lucille Ball will be good at it. That's perfect. Okay. That's exactly what Paul Bentley said. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, He's always taking my stuff. <laughs> uh, delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by Joss Whedon. Are you very uh, tired, Joss Whedon? Are you okay? You okay? No, I'm full of, of energy. <laughs> Need to pick me up. Um, love the film. I've seen it three times because you know we've established I'm a stalker, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, so much in this film to talk about. One of the, the, the key things for me, the key emotional, uh, the heart of the film comes from Natasha and Bruce. There's a line towards the end where Natasha says to Nick Fury, "Did you know?" When he put them together at the beginning of the first movie, uh, did you know when you put them together? I didn't. Um, uh, but when we shot that scene together. When she first goes and recruits him, we all did sort of look at each other and go, they're awfully good together. <laughs> um, but, uh, the you know, you can really trace the evolution of that storyline. Uh, somebody put a crib in that set mm-hmm. without my knowing. They sort of dressed the set, and then I went and walked it to prep the scene. And I had already written the line, I don't every time get what I want. Yes. And I said to Mark, how would you feel about just sort of giving the that little cradle a push mm-hmm. uh, when you say that um, it'll give it you know a, a slightly different resonance yeah and um, uh, and he was like he was cool with it and I thought oh that's you know a lot of people won't even notice but that's uh, um, 
and I wasn't thinking of that when I devised, um, you know, what happens in, in the second one. But then I, I looked back and I was like, Christ, we were just barreling right towards it all along. <laughs> and in terms of, of the relationship in the movie, it's clearly been going on off screen for a, for a while. They, they, they've been growing closer together. Uh, was it... Uh, was it Easy in a way to to write to nail that that sort of that that longing that they have for each other. You know, uh, longing is always fun to write, yeah. and and I felt like they they both have this outsider thing. They are really the two who cannot refer to themselves as heroes, mm. uh, even if they are, and uh, um, they they just they share. You know, a, they're the most sort of human they neither of them has powers mm. uh you know when bruce when the hulk shows up bruce is gone and and natasha's you know extraordinarily well trained but she doesn't actually have you know superpowers so they they're kind of ordinary joes in a way mm. uh yet they've both lived completely outside of normal society for most of their adult lives in mm. her case her whole life so um I don't know. They just uh, they made a lot of sense to me. I know a lot of other people are quite angry about it um, <laughs> because of you know mostly Clint, I guess, and sometimes Steve. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants what they want. Um, the Steve thing, I'm sort of like, yeah, well, um, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that was ever their intent. Certainly, Marvel never uh, um, said boo about me putting the two of them together. Mm-hmm. They thought it made perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, the Clint thing, I actually have a strong opinion about. I think they're wrong. Yes. I think it's it's wrong to assume a romance. I think it's much more not only interesting and uh, useful, but actually romantic that there are these two people who would die for each other, mm. who are not sleeping together. Absolutely. Why should it always be the presumption that there's a relationship there? That Exactly. Yeah. I think you know, men and women can be best friends what <laughs> what did i just blow your mind oh my god but i really believe it and absolutely because i'm living it <laughs> and uh um and it's uh, uh for me just to go to the you know the uh, sexy sexy romance place is uh is uh, i think um you know the obvious choice and and uh, not as interesting a message but uh, but Bruce and Natasha don't get a happy ending, at least not in this movie. No, um, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> why on earth would you do that? But um, it, is it interesting? Am I reading too much into this? That it seems to be Hulk who makes the decision to uh, to move away. He's, well, he's in Hulk form at that at that moment. You know, it's 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 a lot got changed, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, in the bedroom scene, and I think this is going to be on the DVD. Okay, in the bedroom scene when we first shot it. Uh, the question was answered mm-hmm. um, and he rejected her mm-hmm. and it's some of the most beautiful stuff and I hated to cut it but when they suggested it you know the reasoning was don't answer the question till the end of the movie mm-hmm. um, uh, and I thought well that's interesting it was difficult because you know she had been playing that this had happened mm-hmm. and um, uh, and so you know we had to sort of re shoot some stuff and repurpose some stuff. And then there was another moment uh, later on where um, uh, that we ended up, I'm not going to tell you what it was because it didn't work. Okay. But I was like, you might want to use this in another uh, film because it's pretty cool, but it's it's not working. And that's when I came up with um, the scene where he, uh, where uh, she pushes him down the well. 
Oh, okay. And for me, that was a, a better resolve. I didn't really have a resolve between the two of them mm-hmm. uh, until the Hulk went away at the end. And, and, and for me, that, that's a better resolve because it is his decision to go. Mm. Bruce's the or the Hulk. It's or Bruce's, Bruce's yeah. yeah. But it's her decision uh, to throw him down a fucking well. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about that is, uh, you know, she she has you know she has laid herself bare and said i want to be with you and have a life and a romance and when push comes to shove um she has to be a hero Mm -hmm. and the way that she is a hero is by being duplicitous (laughs) by being a spy yeah um and that for me is uh is really exciting because that's a a pure character moment i also enjoyed the fact that that's the only time in the film we ever use the phrase the other guy which is all he ever called the hulk in the first movie yes absolutely and uh uh, one of the joys of watching this movie with a with a a crowd uh, i watched it with a friend last night and every time you intimate that hawkeye is going to buy the farm Oh, I leaned so hard into that, and it was a joy. I would cackle with delight. It's like, let's have a shot of him looking at a picture of his family, and then Tony will say, one of us is definitely going to die. And I'd laugh and laugh. Uh, did you pile it on even more, or did you? Oh, did yeah, you just, he gets yeah. on the lifeboat, and he's, oh, no, he's got to go back for that one kid. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, oh, I, I, you know, he tells his wife, I'm, I'm going to fix this when I get home. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was originally, I shot that scene two ways. Um, cause I had written it as like, go save the world, honey, and come home to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I hate this, mm-hmm. but the studio quite liked it. Yes. And it wasn't bad. And Linda Carlini is the fucking secret weapon of this movie. She's, She's so wonderful. Um, but, uh, um, uh, I was like, oh, no, they shouldn't say any of those things. They should, we should just know it, um, that she doesn't want him to go. Yeah. And so he says, I'm going to fix this thing. And I had shot some footage of like, oh, you can see that he's been building something. We did it a little bit on the railing, but, uh, there was some that got cut out, but, uh, and she says, yo, you know, so it's the old, I can't say goodbye. Yes. And then she says, oh, you'll find something else to tear apart. And he says, no, last project, I promise. And he's basically <laughs> saying, I'll never do this again. I'll come home to you, darling. No, you know, and you know, one more job. It's perfectly safe. Yeah. And then I'll retire. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I couldn't have had more fun with that. Um, because um, one, of, one of the uh, the, the slight criticisms people have leveled at the MCU uh, over the last few films is that people do tend to die and then come back again, maybe five or ten minutes later. Um I was glad, in a way, even though I really liked the character, to see that Quicksilver actually did. You have someone has died. There are consequences in this universe. Can you talk about that? And I guess why Quicksilver? Well, um, you know, uh, I I'm trying to remember why the why of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately. Uh, you know, I always think of, uh, you know, the Seven Samurai, uh, where, you know, the old guys are like, oh, we made it through. And it's yeah. like, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it is the young guys who, who tend to, to miss the mark. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I also thought, well, you know, and I also wasn't going to kill the only other woman in this series. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably that would be, that seems weird. And I, 
I, but I knew right away that that was what I wanted to do. And, um, uh, and I know that I've got this reputation and, and, um, people were, you know, some people were going to be like, ah, there he goes again, with the, again with the killing. Um, but the Hawkeye uh, things you play in that reputation. Yes, yeah. it's I, exactly. I wanted, you know, and of course you can't control the publicity. I wanted, you know, them to announce Aaron's nine picture contract mm-hmm. and for, you know, Jeremy and for them not to announce Jeremy was going to be in another movie and, uh, you know, and, and all that good stuff. But, um, for people not to read the script and then tweet about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I live yeah. in a dream world, but anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully some people will see the movie purely and, and, and have that moment of shock and surprise. But, yeah. um, it felt very disingenuous to me. Um, especially the second time around yeah. to make what I referred to as a war movie. Um, and say that there is no price. Yeah. Everybody walks away. It's like, no, no. Uh, in this movie, we're saying, prove to me that you are guys are heroes. And he's the guy that does the least, like the most arrogant, the most annoying. If you watch the, um, DVD extras, incredible pussy hound. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and, um, to have not only that Hawkeye is going to, uh, kick it, but that he, you know, genuinely hates this guy. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, and then, you know, and that's the guy who saves him. Um, it, uh, I knew that it would be, uh, resonant and it would make everything else work better and matter more Mm. because at the end of the day, once you get the people off, you know, bringing up the city, it's like, is that a big, it's a big explosion. Yeah. Who cares? Absolutely. But, Wanda's grief is extraordinary yeah. and beautiful and, and is the, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, you know, and the fact that the vision comes and saves her. I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's the part where, that, that matters to me. I told Aaron the first day we met, because I never wanted anybody but Aaron to play the part, um, that, you know, that was my intention. I said, the only thing that would keep you alive is if the Disney executives say hey idiot it's a franchise and we need all these people and you're not allowed to kill them um and we did actually shoot um uh we did shoot him in in the last scene Mm. um in an outfit with with his sister and we shot him sort of waking up like oh i didn't really die from these 47 bullet wounds and um uh uh and actually uh, we shot something else with that as well. Uh, but, um, but uh, maybe, maybe I'll tell you about that later. But, okay. um, uh, uh, but the intent was always, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to earn this and then, and then, and then you have to stand by it mm-hmm. because even though I thought at the time, uh, it's TV and we don't tell the Avengers. So if you see the movies, Colson's dead and he stays dead. When I watched the first one, watch Colson die. I'm like, yeah, he gets a TV show, <laughs> and because uh, I just watched it, you know, with my kids, and 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 uh, it did sort of, you know, take some of the um, the truth out of it, and, yeah. and I and I'm responsible for having done that, and uh, um, you know, uh, I'm as guilty of bringing people back to life as I am of killing them. Mm. I was even going to bring Tara back to life, but um, <laughs> uh, they couldn't make a deal. Oh my God! There you go. And uh, 
Uh, you've mentioned in the past with other interviews there was a three-and-a-half-hour version of this movie at one point. No, three-and-a-half. 3.15. Okay. 3.15. Okay, that's, okay. that's, that's, yeah. not, that's not too bad. Um, you've already talked about scenes that will be on the DVD on, on the, on the mm-hmm. Blu-ray. Um, I'm guessing the, the Thor subplot with Eric Selvig was perhaps one of the hardest hit. Is that oh, yes. fair to say? And can you, yes. can you clarify what's happening in the pool? Yeah, the original scene was that uh, he went to uh, speak to the Norn and that uh, how it would work was he goes in the pool mm. and uh, the Norn possess him, basically, and uh, Eric Selvig asks all the questions and the Norn speaking through Thor mm-hmm. uh, uh, give the answers. And so Chris got to do something that was very different and he really threw himself into it mm. and uh, and you know he did a beautiful job uh, it wasn't well regarded by the audiences by the test audiences and uh, um, I th- and I, th- I feel that it's probably largely because um, a you know it was you know a rough cut with no effects and all that good stuff but also it, it's something that you know in a Thor movie mm. probably would work would work brilliantly in in uh this movie is maybe just a little too left of center thor is always the hardest guy to integrate i loved it because i was like "Ooh, it's thor seeking i mean originally it was like thor they're looking through library books i mean i really didn't have anything (laughs) visceral and then i came up with this and i was like i feel like this is a huge win because it's about thor getting answers Mm. but he doesn't have to ask the questions He's the guy giving the answers, mm. and he gets to do something, you know, exciting as an actor. And he's got his fucking shirt off, so everybody <laughs> wins. And um, uh, it's amazing how many people had to be on set that day. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Helicopters, sure why. the whole, the whole caboodle. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I feel, I do feel that they threw out the baby with the uh, pond water, and um, <laughs> uh, because I think uh, you know, even if it was, uh, you know, I think it was about let's you you know try to set it up uh you know so that people will accept it when it happens but um uh instead we split the dream up mm-hmm. and then we had loki in the second part of the dream and mm-hmm. then they were like well that doesn't work we don't want to introduce loki now this late and they you know the dreams were not uh, were not an executive favorite either um and you know the dreams the farmhouse these were these were not the things that they these were things i fought to keep these are things um, that make the film different and uh, feel texturally different than, but I'm sure you've had these battles <laughs> so, with the cave yeah, it really yeah. turned into yeah. um, you know they pointed a gun at the farm's head oh, okay and said give us the cave or we'll take out the farm Absolutely. and you know in a civilized way and you know I respect these guys they're artists um, but uh, you know that's when it got really really unpleasant there was a point at which there was going to be no cave mm-hmm. and Thor was just going to leave and come back and say oh yeah I figured some stuff out <laughs> and I was so beaten down at that point that I was like sure mm. okay what movie is this and the editors <laughs> um, uh, the editors were like no no it won't make sense you have to show the thing you can't just say it yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like okay thank you we'll figure <laughs> this out so it was yeah you can tell that it was it was beaten down but it was also a hard one and in, in, in terms of you mentioned Loki there I mean uh, it was Elba let the cat out of the bag that Tom had come in and, and shot something mm-hmm. um, 
my feeling is that that might have been cut because if Thor knows Loki's alive, then suddenly this mission, is, as important as it is, becomes the second most important thing in his life. No, because it was in the dream. It was in the dream. Okay. It was in the dream, and uh, um, uh, so you know there would be no problem with. Uh, first of all, in I always make these movies as though you haven't seen anything else, mm-hmm. so nobody should even know that Loki's dead. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, so that's why I don't mention that mm-hmm. anywhere. But in his dream, I thought, well, who's gonna who's gonna be his sort of walk him through his dream? Um, it's gonna be Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Loki. He's so important to you know the mythos. And they're like, we can't get Tom. Uh, we can't make a deal. You can have Idris. I'm like, awesome. I love Idris. Idris. This is great. <laughs> this is great. And then I talked to Tom. I was like, just so you know, I would feel bad not telling you that I think, you know, I don't want, I would never pressure you, but I really feel like it would be great if you could do this. And he's like, sure. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but we already have Idris. I'm like, I, again, I have no problem. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's in. And, uh, and we even had a, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little reference to a little tiny reference to the fact that he's taken the throne, mm-hmm. which was Tom doing his Anthony Hopkins impression. <laughs> and Thor says, "Oh, well, what, what would Father say?" And then he does his 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 Hopkins impression, and and Thor's like, "That is uncanny," <laughs> and it's sort of like his subconscious is telling him that wasn't your father. He's imitating <laughs> him, but he would never make that connection. Anyway, uh, you know, the dreams were awfully long. I did, you know, even though I only got a day to shoot each one. Uh, really, oh my God, really? You know, I, um, I uh, made the most out of them. And, um, uh, and you know, so it, uh, there is a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff that fell. But, you know, I don't, I, I think that at the end of the day, the, the movie should have been maybe two minutes longer. Just, <laughs> just, just to uh, let a few things breathe a bit more. Okay. Yeah. But I do think you know it's it's about where it should have been in terms of in terms of running time and in terms of you know the events. Mm. I do think that I I, I you know I, I stuffed it a bit full. There's that that great scene, uh, the party scene that people saw at Comic Con with the uh, trying to lift me on there. You, I love the way you play that later on with with Vision lifting the hammer. Can you talk about that and where that comes from? The the decision to have Vision lift me you know it just came from oh you know it would be cool because you know i said oh it would be great to you know have a bit where they're all trying to lift the hammer that would be so much fun yeah yeah that would be fun and then literally i was talking to jeremy and i was like and then you know jeremy's always writing everything down and then kevin came in a couple days later and jeremy's downloading everything i was like (laughs) oh oh wait there was one other thing i was like yeah what about oh yeah it was was this dumb thing i was thinking kevin's gonna hate him like but what if you know, and then the vision lifts the hammer, and Kevin was like, turned to Jeremy, he's like, that's the thing you forgot to write down. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's the cheer, it's the cheer moment of the film. And, uh, what's great is that we, like the, the Hawkeye thing, we set it, we had already unknowingly set it up so hard mm. just by having that sequence. And then Quicksilver mm. as well, yes. uh, trying to grab it, and then it, it throws him off. And uh, both of those were in the script before I came up with the idea that the vision. <laughs> but for me, I've done something similar in, in an episode of Angel yes. where I needed you to know someone was telling the truth, <laughs> which is very simply Angel saying, he hates it if you ask him questions, he can't lie. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, so, you know, and you just accept that. <laughs> and I was like, on the one hand, 
I want them all to sort of not trust each other and go into battle not as a, co- a coherent group mm-hmm. so that when they finally you know all show up at the church uh, you know they they really do come together um, for the first time on the other hand I need them to take this guy with them and <laughs> and I need uh, I need something to just say all right we're off yes. and by God you know it really does answer a lot of questions <laughs> and God it was so much fun Chris was so cute was, and he's just like great let's go oh he plays that so well yeah it's and just, he it's... added uh, as he passed Tony go nice work <laughs> like, that, was, that was a, that was a Hemsworth add-on <laughs> that I just adored. The last line of the film, I love it. I, mean, I you, you, my God, you stick the ending of this film. Uh, are there takes out there of Chris saying the full line? I made sure assembly? that we never shot him saying it. Really? Because I was positive that some executive was going to go. <laughs> uh, you forgot to put in the last word. I was just like, on you know. With my dying breath, I, I don't, you know, I don't have to say that a lot. But I turn on occasionally, I'll just turn to Kevin and say, if he's questioning something, I'll just go with my dying breath in the script. That is, you know, again, as much as I was like, oh, we didn't get this, we didn't do this, and this is sloppy, and I'm not satisfied with that music cue, and we didn't have enough time to do blah blah blah, and all my complaints, that was uh, in the script, you know, exactly as written. Mm. Uh, he draws breath to say the next word blackout <laughs> and um uh and so to know that we landed exactly you know we got exactly where i wanted to go however many stumbles we may have had on the way is extremely gratifying as was chris evans's reaction when i told him what we were going to do in the second movie at the mtv movie awards right. uh, what we won for the first movie he lost his shit. <laughs> it was great. Amazing, amazing. I'm, I'm going to need a new T-shirt. Sorry, uh, I've got. I'm going to need a new yeah, T-shirt now because t-shirt. I've got. You're going to have to gain some weight. Is what's going to I'm working on the gaining weight. Everybody. That's yeah, absolutely fine. I've got that in are. hand. But uh, the T-shirt thing, I'm going to need more names. I'm yeah, you got, to, you got some, some guys. Some like, guys to add. Okay, just get a sharpie. Yeah, I think it might be the best way. But uh, the, the the lineup at the end of the film, is that the is that your lineup? Is that the lineup you wanted to end with? Or was there a little bit of negotiation going on? Well, um, I wanted all those people. I I said it would be great if we could just, you know, add a few more. <laughs> if you, you know, if you guys could make a Ms. Marvel. Uh, I always say Ms. Marvel because that's what, <laughs> what came. Well, that's when I read it. That's what it was. If we could, you know, have a Captain Marvel there yeah. that you've made a deal for. And they talked about it. Um, but they... And I was like, and Spider-Man, we could do that too. Because Sony had approached us during the first movie about a little integration. So I would have put both of them in, but neither of the deals uh, were made. Yeah. You know, and then they're like, we're making a Captain Marvel movie, and we've got Spider-Man as a property. I'm like, I've already locked my film, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Amazing. And there are three real quick things, real quick fire, Joss. Uh, this thing with Thanos. Did you shoot that? Because traditionally, as a director, of the next film, he comes in and shoots the stings. But oh no, I shot that. You shot I mean, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Josh came in, had his face painted with dots, and lovely man. And um, uh, yeah, no, I just said this is what it should be, and uh, you know, just this one line. Yeah. And uh, and then he was like, "Great." Well, um, and so that was me. Uh, we didn't know when I shot it. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to direct the next film, but they mm-hmm. didn't certainly hadn't made a deal with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I like to shoot what's in my film. <laughs> and I consider that to be part of the film. Okay, it is, absolutely. But, but it, it, what's interesting to me is watching it the other night with a big crowd. Compare and contrast the reaction to that to the reaction three years ago when Thanos appears for the first time. 
most people are going, who the hell is this? On Monday night, big screening, everyone just went, oh my God, it's on. And there was a sense of palpable excitement in the room. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> my audience didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a premier audience. What can you do? You know, they're all, they're all tired. It's all, it's all the thing. And uh, just very, very quickly, I really have to go here. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. I know you've got to go. No, no, I'm just having fun. You've got to run. Like, I'm, just uh, like, I'm being a brat about it. <laughs> Shut up, I'm having fun. <laughs> sorry. Uh, the time frame of the film at the very, very end, after the battle with Ultron. What is the time frame of that? Is it the next day, or is there some time elapsed? Is a new Avengers facility built already, or? Well, um, uh, you know, she's had the baby, mm-hmm. so it's got to be a few months. Yeah, that's yeah. basically, you know. And I feel like you know, Tony found some place, and you know, bums rushed it, but it was probably already <laughs> probably already in existence somewhere. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the, a few months is sort of the uh, mm. the idea based on because you know we had the kid. Yeah, and uh, the kid was you know. Otherwise, we would have just been vague about it. Yeah, that that puts it. Yeah, now I think about it, that does put a timeline on it. And and the the last thing is there was a big big rumor going around. Uh, and again, I'm sure that this would have been something you would have been resistant to because you like to keep the film contained. That at the end, Mr. Banner might end up shot into space. You know, I never uh, intended to shoot him into space. What I wanted to do was indicate that he was that he might. That you know that I wanted the sky above him to be slightly thinner, a few stars, mm-hmm. and for us to go because you know I put it very specifically in line. Where in the world am I not a threat? Yeah, and I wanted to leave people with the idea that if this is the last movie, mm-hmm. that he may have left the world mm-hmm. behind, mm-hmm. and because I think there's something enormously poetic about that. There is also something enormously misleading about that because <laughs> they don't plan to make Planet Hulk. As far as I know, and and so they were like, no, just sky. He's just just sky, <laughs> no stars, which was less poetic, yeah. but still uh, very beautiful. As and uh, there's no better way to express the beauty of it than when Scarlet came in to do some ADR and uh, saw for the first time the sequence cut together. She'd shot her side mm. um, so beautifully, and then um, she saw that last shot where he's sitting and we see him from behind and the camera's drifting away from him. And she just goes, oh, it's so sad. Fat man in a little car. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the only thing I call that sequence now. Yeah, well, that's just ruined it for me. So that's 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 awesome. Thank you so much. That's Thank amazing. You. That's amazing. And uh, we haven't even talked to Ultron, but I will let you oh, go. Right. I will let you go. Right, Joss, I'm sorry. Thank you so much. That was fun. That was great. Thank you so much indeed. Joss Whedon there with some fascinating insights, and in a special bonus spoiler special interview, making it doubly special, uh, I spoke to Paul Bentley about the Vision recently. Which, and that's a character you can't really get into without going into spoiler territory for obvious reasons. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time to discuss the spoiler stuff, so I didn't get a chance to really dig into the thornier issues, but there's still a lot here, uh, so do enjoy this brief interview with Paul Bentley. But I think you have possibly the moment of the MCU so far. The moment yeah. when Vision lifts Mjolnir and uh, proves that he is is worthy in some way of of that uh, that is killed every time I've seen it. Yeah, uh, well, you've seen it now with audiences. Yeah, well. what's that experience like? Oh, no, it's great. I would be lying if I wasn't. You know, I loved. I mean, it was. I, I watched A and One. I watched the film, and there is such artistry in the filmmaking. I had just made a movie, and I said to Joss, I went, I have no idea. <laughs> how you would go about making a film like this. The puzzle pieces are so small. And how do you how do you do it? And um, 
And he said, I'm, uh, you know, I have a plan and I'm surrounded by people that are able to support that plan. And, and, um, that, that moment is, is just a built in great moment. I mean, there was, you know, there was a risk that the fans would go, no, you know, <laughs> but it is, it's fantastic to sit there and everybody, you know, I'm terribly, uh, uh, and really shallow, so you know, it's it, when they cheer, you just go, "Yeah, I'm awesome! <laughs> I'm, I must be." They're cheering. You know, this happened to me actually on a on a film I made um, I, when I really realised how shallow I was. I was um, on a film called um, uh, A Night's Tale. Oh yeah, A Night's Tale. Yeah. We were talking about it, and it was set in Prague, right? And so yeah. I'm doing all these uh, sort of comedy speeches to the crowd, who who are Czech. You're right. So yeah. they don't understand a word I'm saying. So they have these things when to laugh and boards when to laugh and when to applaud. And I'm so shallow that even though I knew that, I kind of thought I was killing them. You know, I really <laughs> did. I was just like, I'm knocking these people dead. <laughs> I know it's terrible. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I it felt great. Maybe it got through to them. Who knows? But uh, but yeah, it's such it's such a great moment. What's what's your take on it? How does Fusion lift a hammer? How is he is he worthy? He's is worthy. In his, yeah. Simple as that. He's worthy. The hammer must be right. He's a, he seems he's such a unique character. He comes from a place that uh, is unlike any character in the in the MCU. Um, but for me, he feels like a force for good. Is that how you you, you saw him? Yes, I'm, I mean I'm. Uh, well, I I genuinely don't know what the future holds for him. Um, uh, and the 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 comic books are rich with um, different stories for him and. Um, and that so it'll be interesting either way that it goes. But I, I think in in this film definitely he's a sort of flip side of of Ultron, you know. And the the fun thing to play with was the notion that you're born. I mean, I'm never I'm never going to get born on screen again for God's sake. I'm <laughs> 43 years old, but I was born, and I'm. Um, omnipotent and mm-hmm. supremely powerful i can change my density that's kind of cool and yet he's he's incredibly uh naive and experiencing the world as it happens and figuring out what his purpose is and 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 his place in the world and whether he's going to be a force for good or evil without any sort of preconceived idea of a moral compass or anything and so that was kind of fun to to um to do, especially in this world of fast one-liners, and he he's very quiet and mm. and, and still, and and has a, a great one-liner at the end. He certainly does. And there's there's a, a fantastic scene at the end with Ultron. You have all the uh, you know, the sound of fury and the, uh, the the thunder of this movie, and then it just goes very very quiet right at the end for a, a conversation. For a conversation yeah. between a father and a son, yeah. and uh, a philosophical one of that, and philosophical one, and one that was shot in a car park. <laughs> with, yeah really? with cars really yeah wow. with just cars around he just wanted the light and then i saw the movie i didn't know it was in a forest i mean it's in it's now in a forest that's entirely not real that's uh, amazing it's truly is amazing wow and uh i'm working with james spader who did get the mocap yes treatment what was that situation like for you well it's i think it's great now because usually um you know up until very recently you would be working with a a, a fuzzy tennis ball um and uh or and an actor off camera and then the actor would go and do their motion capture on a motion capture stage and mm-hmm. they are able to do motion capture on set now mm-hmm. so you're actually 
just working with James Spader. Now, you know, he's wearing a fractal suit with two cameras that hang off his head with headlights on that film his face that has dots all over it. You know, but I'm purple. So, you know, it's all a little <laughs> odd. But all of that falls away and you're just left with the actor's eyes and their honesty and and a, a scene between a father and a son. Mm. Especially a dying father as well. Right. Which is interesting. Just a couple of very last quick things. Uh, Vision, you, you say you don't really know what's happening next. Have you been given a, a call, a summons in any way, shape or form for it? Absolutely. Yeah. But war. I'm not allowed to no, talk. I'm say. Okay. But, uh, but um I am allowed to say the character continues and I'm I'm really I mean I'm just I'm really excited to see where he goes and 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 what he does and and what his place is in the world I think it, there's there's so much to do with him there was a shared look at one point when he rescues Wanda towards I him. know to only certain people. people pick that up yeah yeah it's a very dashing noble romantic. I know I wonder <laughs> where could I go where could yeah. I go brilliant Paul it's been a pleasure thank you so much indeed thank you Lots of revelations there. Where should we start when we're discussing Avengers Age of Ultron? I was joking before we started this, you know, you were saying start at the beginning. That's actually a good place to start because it starts, we were, we were having a bet in the office before we went to see this film about what the opening shot would be. And I said, oh, it'll be a Honor Majesty Secret Service style, snowy fortress, you know, it'll be that sort of shot. Establishing Baron von Strucker's uh, Citadel. It doesn't, it opens on Loki's scepter, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Tying it neatly into the first Avengers, I guess, as well as the Dark World. I mean, obviously not the Dark World in the sense that he doesn't have the scepter there, but he's still Loki. Yes, and setting out the idea that the scepter is more important than perhaps we thought it was in the yeah. first place. Yeah. So let's, re- let's, let's just go over where the scepter originally came from. So the scepter was given by Loki, given by the Chitari. It was given, yeah. To Loki at the beginning of Avengers, wasn't it? He didn't yes. have it in, in between, the third... In between Thor and Avengers. Fine, he didn't have it in Thor. No. It arrived in Avengers, but it originally came from Thanos. That's correct. Okay. Yes. So this is maybe something that people are wondering. I'm curious about myself. If the scepter, as is revealed here, contains one of the Infinity Stones, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. that Thanos wants to collect. Why, why did he did, give it away? Why did he give it away? Because he didn't expect it to be uh, borrowed by the Avengers and Shield and Hydra and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. He, he, okay. he thought it was a routine takeover of a backwater planet, mm. and that he would have it back very very soon. And also that he'd be able to get the Tesseract as a bonus, right? Because uh, okay. Loki was sent to at least partly to secure the Tesseract. So he was kind of gambling one Infinity Stone to get two. You've got to speculate to accumulate in That's this business. It. And now he's got nothing. The mm. big purple... Well, this is why you should never does. lend out scepters or DVDs. <laughs> That's true. You never get them back. <laughs> <laughs> they end up in a snowy fortress. Do you think he has an app in which he's keeping track of who's got what? <laughs> His magic like, Infinity Stone. He should do because he loses them. Well, hang on. Maybe he's got the remaining two. We only know the whereabouts of four. And there are six. You want to know the whereabouts of Thor as well? Um, that, well, yeah. I would. I would imagine he doesn't have. You don't think he has any? But then again, he he had one. We know he had one. Yeah, and right, he could afford so, to gamble it. Yeah, but my feeling is that one will pop up in Thor Ragnarok, and another one will pop up in Guardians, uh, two. Guardians, Guardians two. Especially now, Thor is aware of their existence, sure. and someone out there is trying to get them together, and he's like, "Oh, that's a bad thing." So just to, just to kind of clarify, at the end of this film. Um, mm-hmm. We're moving ahead now, sorry. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Let's start at the beginning, yes. let's jump to the end. <laughs> so Thor and Asgard have won the Tesseract. Yes. Okay, and uh, the... That's n- correct, that is correct then. And Nova Prime have another. 
Yes, Glenn Close has has one. Yeah. She got it as compensation for the film. And the collector has the ether. He does. Okay. And then the fourth one, the scepter, is now with uh, the vision. Yes. Okay. Dan's put his hand up. But collector, his yeah. place got all bombed out. And yeah, but we never saw we? him lose it. We, we, we have no reason to believe that's his only collection. Oh, he might have a collection, yeah. a secret, secret collection. How would the duck like may the, have it? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. It could be like one of those uh, museums that has branches all over the world. Oh, yeah. It could be the Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah. or the Smithsonian, kind, the Smithsonian kind, of, kind, of a, exactly. kind of a deal. Oh, yeah. now the museum could tie, tie into this nicely. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe it's one of the gems that brings all the exhibits along. <laughs> that crazy stop. monkey. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop. I, I, Let's not give stop anyone any ideas. Stop that crazy monkey could be one of the most powerful beings in the universe. <laughs> that's your final answers to. Well, let's that, that, take the, uh, the Infinity Stones as a bit of a jumping off point. We had a bit of a, a debate about this in the office after we saw the film. Do you think that uh, Age of Ultron uh, set too much stuff up? Set the right amount of stuff up? Or not enough for future Marvel movies? Yeah, I was saying on the regular podcast, I, I felt like there was a little bit too much pushing forward and looking ahead to the next stuff. I thought they should have maybe just left that for the sting rather than, than talking. I, I, I felt a little bit exhausted at the end of this film and the thought of another two coming, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't leave me as excited as I maybe hoped to be. That, but, would, that, would, that was how I felt. About but it. what did it set up? What did it, what did it really set up? Um, what, was the, what was the, you know, the big, the big well, cliffhanger I mean, there, there's, in a way? There's, it's not so much cliffhanger as it, it does uh, institute a lot of change which we know is going to be significant going forward yeah. and that isn't in fairness entirely the film's fault because we just know it's going to be significant because we know Marvel so Hulk's gone off on his own we mm. know that's significant there's a there's a new Avengers team we know that means something Thor is investigating stuff that's clearly gone wrong at home we know that's going to be something Cap and Tony actually that wasn't entirely set up they left on good terms that's... but they were headbutting during the film they so were but li- they were in the first movie as well this is true um, but it's that's kind of good that they've got that little bit of tension there going mm. into Civil War. Um, Wakanda is mentioned. I'm not sure we can really call that a setup for Black Panther, but it's at the very least not not setting it well, up. And Ulysses Claw is the and bad Ulysses guy. Claw so is one of the the, bad guys we've there. seen. I, well, I think we have. We've seen the bad guy for the Black mm. Panther already. Seems now, like, haven't yeah. We? Why so, would you cast Andy Serkis for five minutes otherwise? Well, I mean, if you could, you would, mm. I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I actually don't think a setup. I think it was the right amount. I think if it had really been egregious in terms of setting up the, the future movies, it would have ended with Tony and Steve uh, on bad terms. It didn't end with a handshake. Because that's, that's kind of interesting, because now you're thinking, oh, the beginning of Civil War is going to have to do some heavy lifting in order mm. to get them ideologically opposed again. I don't um, think it has to do that much heavy lifting. I mean, I think it just has to have bu- Bucky. Um, and the, the weird thing about Civil War is if it breaks out over anything other than the Winter Soldier the whole of fandom is going to be amazed. If it's any any reason other than Bucky killed Howard Stark, everyone's going to be a bit amazed. Maybe I, it should. Maybe they, they should amaze us. Bothered, quite frankly. I, I, all I need is the fact that the Superhero Registration Act is in Tony Stark's ideas. I is a good thing. In Steve's ideas, a bad thing. Yeah. And that's pretty much all you need. The Bucky stuff, I don't know if that, if that turns out to be true or not, icing on the cake. But I don't think it's set up that much. I mean, I, I, having to go at this movie for setting up stuff is a bit like having to go at Empire Strikes Back for setting up stuff. Yeah, but maybe I, maybe I felt that Empire Strikes Back set it up in a, in a more effective way. I didn't feel like this was a really tantalizing cliffhanger. Like, for example, Tony Stark, I didn't get the sense that he was that different at the end of the movie to the beginning. I didn't get a sense that he was that tortured. You know, there was a thought that he is so racked by guilt that going into civil war that that's why he kind of causes the division 
But I didn't get a sense of that, really. But then you didn't really get a sense of his trauma at the very end of the first Avengers, and then that played a key role in Iron Man 3. So I think sometimes they slightly put some of the drama side to celebrate the end of the immediate crisis mm. but it doesn't mean that it's not kind of bubbling on was he retired though at the end of this movie yes yes i didn't really, yeah i, I actually I didn't, really... I, I, I didn't get any of that i mean i got that hulk had gone off mm. but i didn't get that thor and uh iron man were basically leaving the team really uh, from from the from from well, the scenes as they were perhaps they we... were just you know to me it was just like yeah, okay, see ya. See ya, see you tomorrow. I think maybe taking a back seat is better. I, I don't think it's like a formal resignation. Like, I think if it's it's the old... I think it's a similar setup to the end of the first one, really. If there were need, they'd come back together, but they have achieved the immediate objective of kind of clearing up Hydra and getting yeah. hold of the Scepter. My feeling with... Yeah, the, 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 and this is tricky. Obviously, Helen and I have seen it more times than you guys. And the film is so dense. If it's one, of the, yeah. one of the flaws of the film is that it, it is so incredibly packed full of information that on first go-around, you don't get it all. So that's absolutely fine. Thor leaves fairly definitively. Uh, he says, uh, you know, someone, a dark power, is trying to bring all the Infinity Stones together. Four have appeared in the last few years. That's not a coincidence. And then he, he leaves via Rainbow Bridge, so, uh, you know, via Bifrost. So he is gone. He's gone from the picture. He is no longer part of the Avengers. Tony, throughout the movie, talks about he doesn't want to do this anymore. Mm. He wants to have a life. He wants to... You know, he wants to render the Avengers obsolete, effectively, which, you know, be careful what you wish for, he almost ends up getting <laughs> getting that and more. But at the very end of the movie, he's still the Avengers benefactor. I think it's clear that the new Avengers facility didn't just pop up overnight. He has bankrolled it, but he has moved on from the team. But there wasn't he, a clear sense wants, of that, I don't think. That uh, there is a very clear really? sense of that, yeah. He says, I, I'm, I'm, I got the, 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 That's how Iron Man 3 he says ends I'm, he with, says him, I'm tapping with him out. throwing all the suits away, and then he can't just... Mm rebuilds them between films so I, I didn't get that at all sorry he says I'm tapping out he says I want to go I want to have a farm with Pepper one that people won't blow up he's done uh, in terms of having a big armoured Avenger on the team he drafts in his mate Rhodey uh, to me it's very clear that he's moving on and he's no longer an Avenger that is a different team which is something that the, the comic books have been doing right from the very beginning the, the team changes it evolves it rolls the, you know, the, the roster is constantly changing um, will he Will he be an Avenger one day? I'm sure he will. But right now, as things stand, he's not. Will he appear in Infinity War if the lawyers can work it out? But for me, in terms of setting up stuff, I mean, the, the, the Natasha and Bruce, the Hulk Black Widow story, That this film doesn't end in a cliffhanger for me. And I think that Whedon wanted to do that. He didn't want it to have that. He mm. constantly has been talking about Empress Strikes Back being A, a model, but also something that he wanted to recoil from. He didn't want to have it ending on a, <gasps> what happens next? And I think that for the most part, the movie is self-contained. Any little setups may be imposed upon him by the, the Marvel machine. But uh, for the most part, the story of this film wraps up. The villain is dispatched within the film. He doesn't survive to fight another day. It's all done. So that's, that's, my, that's my take on it. I think it's mostly true. I just don't think that it's as maybe definitive as you do. I think I don't like I don't think Thor leaving means he's never coming back because clearly he's just you know the Rainbow Bridge is rebuilt or at least reconstructed. Yeah. He can frankly commute from Asgard and find where Jane is and it's you know quicker than the Piccadilly line. Exactly. So this is true. Um, I, I I don't I don't see it as being definitive, but I do think it is you know an ending. I have gone off. My new mission is to find out why all the Infinity Stones are cropping up. Mm. But you are the sort of way I read that. You are right. I mean, you know, at the end of Iron Man three, Tony does get rid of all the suits, mm. and then suddenly he's back again, mm. building more suits. And yeah. I've always found that a little inconsistent. Even though at the end of Iron Man three, the very last words are "I am Iron Man," and he owns that again, and he's kind of going. Mm. But 
I think he means is he doesn't need to have the suits all the time. He doesn't need to be Iron Man all the time. But if the if the mission arises, he will be. But yeah, that, that, that's a little inconsistent. Also, I mean, blowing up the suits was a fabulously romantic gesture. But my God, billions! <laughs> I mean, estimates of those suits are billions of dollars each. Each. It's like a trillion dollars that he just exploded he's for a, some pretty fireworks. He's a profligate guy. It's just how he rolls. I mean, there's profligate and then there's ending world hunger. I just, you know, crazy. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. The four stuff, I'll be honest, I I do need to watch this film again. The the four stuff throughout this film confused me. Generally, what he was was up to. I'm quite quite well attuned to, you know, fantasy nonsense, (laughs) right? As 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 I'm course, sure Helen yeah. is Helen is too, and actually Thor, you know, just lay out there. Thor's my favourite. Okay, he's you know of the team, he's my favourite. But that bit with Eric and the the magic cave with the water, yeah. and one yeah. moment he's with Eric outside of Royal Holloway in Bedford, um, and, <laughs> and and the uh, the next moment they're in this underground cave, and they've got they've got a box with them. And I don't know what the box is. I think that's and part of the stuff that was cut out. A, well, a, a clearly, good ten clearly. minutes were lost. I mean, you know, well, it is, as, yeah. as, as you know, as yeah. as the listeners have just heard, uh, um, it is. I can't uh, wait to listen to this podcast. So I can yeah, it, it, honestly, it's going to be that's, good. That's good. That's, well, in that case, I'll be quiet. But anyway, as, as, ju- as, a, well, as, as a viewer, that 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 episode left me a bit like I, I, I just don't know what's happening now. But I think well, you still got it from the vision. I mean, the important thing is, oh, the waters will bring the vision back to life. Not the vision with a, a small T and a small V there, <laughs> okay. um, and and you can see a bit more of your dream sequence. Uh, so that's all you kind of needed in this film. I can see mm. why you took that yeah. out. Yeah. Well, what, what, yeah. But I personally it's, can't wait to see the the extended edition, which we are yeah. now assured will be on the DVD. The the three hour one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. The the, the Thor storyline, as much as I can bring some light to it as well. Um, he was appealing to Asgardian spirits or gods called the Norns. Um, oh yes, like the fates. Yes. Uh, and he was communing with them via this very special spiritual cave in which I guess the 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 air between the, you know, as with the dark world where the, the walls between the worlds are quite thin, I guess, in that, that place. Um, there must have been a scene, I didn't get a chance to talk about it with Whedon, but there must have been a scene where it explained why he needed Selvig to try and track it down. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounded like a pr- pretty freaky scene, actually, with the idea that Thor would be essentially possessed by the Norns and Selvig would be answering, asking him questions and Hemsworth would be talking in different voices. And it sounded quite weird and freaky, but uh, sadly it has gone. There's just enough in there, I think, just enough of this is this is a pool, I must get in this pool and talk to something and uh, it will give me the answers I seek and shut up about the details, let's not bother about that. Um, and I've got the answers, and okay, bye. But what's in that box is like Pulp Fiction. What's in the box? I don't know what's in the box. <laughs> it's keeping me awake at night, guys. What is in Eric's box? Hashtag Eric's box. Hashtag Eric's box. <laughs> let's let's get this never use that hashtag. No, okay. Because there's a lady, and again, because we were so you know tied for time, I didn't get a chance, but there's, in one of the trailers, there's a lady, you see a, you see a, a lady in a, in a cave, in a shot in a cave at one point. And everyone was going, "Oh, is it Black Panther's sister? Who is it?" But I think that's a that's one of the Norns. I think that's the ah. one of the one of the, mm. the spirits mm. that he communes with. I think that's Loki walking away from him with the hood up. Is that right? Yes. Excellent. It is. And and that's another thing that was cut, right? Yeah. The revealing that yeah. that was Loki. But it wasn't cut why I thought it was cut. And again, you know, apologies if you're kind of going over information that you've just heard. But I thought it was cut because the minute that Thor gets a sense that Loki is alive, then his mission on Earth becomes the secondary mission. 
Mm. Surely, doesn't it? But, as Whedon said, if it's in a dream that mm. he sees Loki, then why would he think that Loki is alive? Mm. Which is a fair point. Um, so they cut it, I guess, for, for pacing and time. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it would have been interesting to have it Maybe just show up. too much of a reminder that Loki was a much better bad guy than Ultron. Well, okay, I, okay, have, I, have, I, have, a, I have an issue with Ultron, and that's that his, his basic fundamental motive was unclear for me. From, from, you know, achieving consciousness to deciding that the only way to ensure peace is to wipe everybody out, that is a logical leap that needs to be pretty clear. And I didn't feel it was made sufficiently clear to me. I get that we see the, the montage of images of war and how terrible war is and stuff. Fine. Um, but that but that doesn't mean that the only way to stop war is to stop life mm. or human human life at least um and and I think that was the that was for me the the big flaw with Ultron is I did not get that logical leap now, having watched it again and listened very carefully to every single thing he says in that scene, it's a little bit more explained than I first gave it credit for, but it's still I feel like it, we needed one more line or one more moment or one more something to make his his immediate aim clear enough. I kind of, I kind of felt like his aim was just to kill everyone. Yes, um, but why? Do you know what I mean? You need, you need a why there. Yeah, it, my my problem was more that it, he just felt quite generic, and uh, I, w- I was looking forward to him as a villain. James Spader's voice work is amazing. Yeah, it's great. And I think just from a performance point of view, he's interesting. But he doesn't do anything interesting, particularly apart from spawn lots of robo minions who fly around. But they don't seem to be that that threatening either. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I loved a lot I, about this film. I, I did, I did love a lot. The villains I loved less than the heroes. I think Ultron's a bit of a flaw. Um, probably the film's chief flaw, I would say. I like the character. I don't mind the character. I agree with you, Dan. I don't think he's as good a villain as mm. as Loki. And it's an interesting decision that Whedon makes to not really give him like Loki had a scene with every single Avenger. And even if it was ultimately his scene with the Hulk was being twatted around by the Hulk, <laughs> still a great moment. But he gets these little tete-a-tetes with the Avengers all the way through. Uh, whether it's, you know, that scene with Scarlett Johansson leading up to, you know, that, that line, that famous line. Or, you know, actually, you know, you know Hawkeye, he possesses Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets a great scene with Thor uh, early on as well. And you just get a sense that he's the arch manipulator and uh, he can play all sorts of different variations and colors and shades. And you're right, I felt Ultron was a little bit one note. Great dialogue, brilliantly delivered, and it, little moments when he's quite fun, when he cuts off Ulysses' claw's arm, and he's like, oh, I'm mm. sure that'll be fine, and you know. Mm. Yeah. But and just, let me just take this moment to explain my evil plan. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but I needed more from him, I think. Well, I, I, actually, I'm going to now surprise you having said what I said. That, that something I really liked about Ultron was the idea that he is like an evil Tony Stark. He's kind yeah. of got yeah. that mm. Starkish personality. And I, I, I thought that worked quite well. I, I thought, though, my feeling is they could have taken it a step further. And nothing against James Spader, who, again, I agree, it's, it's great voice work. And it also that was a performance-captured performance. Spader mm. was actually there physically performing it. Yeah, but, yeah, you can see him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it might have been more interesting to cast Robert, Robert Downey Jr. as Ultron. Ooh. Ah, that would be cool. Mm. That, yeah. That, that, would, would, be ooh, that would be interesting. Tony Tron. But yeah. I feel like you still got you still got that reflection... A little bit between them. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was absolutely there. I just, you know, if yeah. I could go back in time and recast. I, I also <laughs> totally loved 
his design. I love that the sort of the little curving bits of metal on either side of his cheeks, the sort of cheekbones. No Bluetooth. But, um, but, <laughs> well, no, but I thought they actually looked like almost like ram's horns, like you see in old sort of devil paintings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were really, really evocative, and the sort of the red light glowing from inside, and and the way you could tell there, there was that great moment in the in the final attack on Sokovia. One Ultron figure is hanging in the air, declaiming. Hawkeye blows him up and another one behind turns from blue light to red light as Ultron takes over that one and starts talking again. I just thought that kind of, that image was very cool just because it gives you a sense of how hard this guy is to beat because there are so many of him, Mm. um, which I thought was... Not as tough as General Grievous though. (laughs) Do you know what? There is a little bit of General Grievous in his DNA, isn't there? Is there a... When he's in the church and he meets the twins, is he wearing a cape? Or am I misimagining? No, he's covered in a shroud. He's got a kind of of thing. carpet or something. Yeah, that reminded me of General Grievous a little bit. (laughs) Robots with with cloaks are amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I like them. It's very good CG work. I'm not entirely sure I ever Mm. bought a, you know, thought it was photoreal or whatever but um, I thought yeah I I, I like the character I've got a conflict with Ultron I I like the character I just don't think he was enough of a menace his grand master plan ultimately would have been menacing Um, I wonder about the science of it Uh, a meteor slams into the earth roughly about 35,000 miles an hour that's where the extinction level event comes from if you drop I'm not sure it would have achieved a velocity would it? if you drop stuff from from near orbit you can yeah. yeah, you can. I thought that was it a good idea. It didn't need to be higher yeah. than it got, obviously, but it, it, it worked. Yeah, that was, that was they the bad, did it in G.I. Joe. Yeah, G.I. Joe. Joe. As well. <laughs> it was enough. Oh, do they do that in G.I. Joe? Yeah. Oh, wow. They, okay. drop rod, they drop rods from giant orbit. Rods. Yeah. Giant it's, it's, rods. It's a, it's a well-established Hashtag evil plan. It's also, a be- I believe, one of the plans in uh, The Fifth Wave, which is a film I next. <gasps> oh, my God. But can I say, once, oh, yeah. he's, once, once he's in the internet, right? Yeah. Okay, and I'm not, not just, he doesn't, hasn't just got email, but once he's actually in the internet, okay? Oh my God, does he have my history? He, no, it's, it's not just that, okay? Once, once you're in there, you can wipe people's medical records. You can mess with, yeah, um, we can mess with the operating systems of but, nuclear power stations. You can shut down hospitals. Sure, you but can, we're told that, that Jarvis essentially has stopped him from doing that. No, they stopped him from doing a Skynet. No, he stops him from getting. We yeah, but we're we're assuming that he also stopped him from doing any of that. They mention the yeah. nuclear codes because that's what they're talking about. You've got to a, assume he also stopped all of that. He's about the grand statement. He's about the extinction level event, not a slow decay. He's about one. Bang imagine, imagine done. if he'd shut down Twitter. Ah, <gasps> uh, oh, would have been too nightmarish. No. In that case, he would have been. Yeah. Avengers, fuck that guy up. Seriously. <laughs> Hashtag fuck Ultron. Hashtag, uh, apologies to the language, but I feel very strongly Calm, calm about down, this. Chris. No one's shutting down Twitter. It's Thank okay. God. Thank it's God. Okay. Deep breaths. But um, yeah. I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a huge fan of the, the first trailer that we got that yes. had the cracked Ultron uh, yes. when he comes out and he's like mm. dripping with oil and yes. I, I loved that version yeah. of him. I thought that I can see why they didn't stick with that version of him, but that was my favourite Ultron. Oh, yeah, he I'm seems seen, yeah. really sinister and weird yeah. and creepy and unearthly yeah, but then once he turns into a T-800 on steroids less interesting yeah he's got, yeah, he's got like oil and juices oozing out of him and he's dripping and he, he his movements are very stuttery and mm. yeah I would I, I, I think he's most effective in that moment but, mm. but then you lose the idea of evolution and you mm. lose the idea of you yeah. know, self-improvement and so on yeah so. absolutely and and if his whole thing is change that you've got to allow change and you've got to allow the evolution of new consciousness he hits the robot gym then he's got. Buff. He has to hit the robot gym and get buff. I, yes. I'm I'm with Dan completely in this now. Now this is a bit like whenever I discovered that uh, uh, RDJ was going to initially at one point was in talks to play uh, Doc in Inherent Vice, mm. and now I just can't get that out of my head. I mean, would you know? I know 
director's prerogative and everything, but that would have been, <laughs> for me, so much better casting in Joaquin Phoenix in that film. And I kind of like, Joss Whedon has said multiple times that he didn't really get Ultron until he hit upon the idea of Spader. Mm. And so he wrote it for Spader. But that idea is actually pretty amazing. It's a good idea, Dan. Yeah. Do you imagine how much they would have had to pay yeah, Dan if they had <laughs> double deal rolls? Five yeah. more trucks of yeah. money. Oh, no. <laughs> They can't afford anything else. It's just the whole movie's on a stage. He would have had two interviews to walk out of on Krishna Guru Murthy. That would have been amazing. Well, I was just uh, going back to where you were, I, I thought, talking about the evolution of Ultron and his plan. I uh -huh. think it seems like a good time to talk about vision, right? Right? Let's, 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 let's bring vision into the conversation because I was very intrigued how they're going to do vision. Mm. I, I like vision from the comic books, but I didn't get a sense from the film that if you didn't know anything about vision, you would actually understand what his powers are, what he can do and everything. It didn't seem, because he, you know, basically can control his mass, right? He yes. can go, he he can go ghost-like and yeah. he can go, but I thought we'd see some of that. But we, we did, did see well, we that. Did. He, we did. I didn't feel point, I did. There's one point where he, he puts both fists through an Ultron clone and rips it apart. Mm. Yeah, um, which, which War Machine reacts to by going, huh? okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know that we need to, explain everything i felt like i got it just from like you know from the moment where he he sort of looks slightly sideways at thor and then thinks yep cloak and just invents himself a cloak which then moves beautifully in in a wind mm. that isn't there at all times which i just love mm. um but but you know he he just he's just uncanny and i think it's quite nice that he's just left uncanny yeah. and the idea is of course uh, as he says well i was born yesterday he's one day old and he doesn't know what his powers are yet. Okay. And the Mind Stone is so powerful. What, what's interesting about Vision is that it's, as, as Stark says early on in the film, it's like if, Ultra, if Ultron puts himself into this body with that stone, he'll be more powerful than any of us. And th that's the idea that Ultron, uh, sorry, Vision is incredibly powerful, but we don't know how powerful yet. But mm. there is a bit of phasing, there is a bit of density changing. Okay. There is, you know, I, I really, really liked this character. I think yeah. um, I think it's going to be fascinating seeing where it goes in future movies. Hasn't been announced yet for Civil War, but I'd be astonished if he wasn't in, mm. in Civil War. Um, but he's a character that can equally, you can see him fit into the Guardians world. You can see him showing up in Thor Ragnarok because his powers are... <laughs> so cosmic almost in scale and I think Bentley played it brilliantly almost with a sort of hesitance almost as if he is a computer working out what to say and studying people before he before he says it there's a little mm. bit of Jarvis in there there's a little bit of something else I'm, I'm a big fan of Paul Bentley I think he's yeah. I mean I, 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 you know, I particularly loved him in Master and Commander and um, in a way the roles feel kind of similar it's, almost, <laughs> it's a little bit a uh, little bit of Stephen from that in, mm. in this performance um, and that was great fun. And the gag with Thor's hammer was 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 you know genius. I thought the, mm. the, the you know the the setup early on in the film, and then they almost throw away the casualness of the payoff. Yeah. yeah, I thought was 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 handled brilliantly. And that's that's just what Whedon does. For me, that, does for, best. for me that may be the moment of the MCU so far. Yeah, I think it is. It, it's it's up there certainly with with uh, Hulk smashing Loki uh, in in the first Avengers. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of a sheer crowd pleasing, kind of didn't see that coming. Happy Hogan Why? watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Shoving the nurse out of the way. Thor hanging another hammer one. Thor hanging the hammer up in yep. uh, Thor the Dark World. Yep. In, in, yeah, In the apartment. Too. Yeah. Or, but, sorry, the flat. Sorry, it was a British apartment. But I, I, I love that moment. I think it's... Yeah. 
I love that moment. I think it's fantastic. I think Hemsworth in particular sells the hell out of it. Yeah. With his incredible reaction. And he's <laughs> he's so good. He's almost the unsung hero of this film in a way because he doesn't get as much to do as everyone else. Whereas the first movie was very much, oh, it's Thor's brother is running around being exactly. an idiot. So he better, you know, it, it focuses largely on him. Um, he's so good. Like the first Hammer scene. I yeah, his, his scene, we, we watched that again at the Apple Store, didn't we, the other day? And yeah. um, his reaction shot when, when Cap is trying to pick it up. He looks worried and then Dick goes, ah, nothing. <laughs> he's fantastic in it. Yeah, he's so funny. I also love the, the little um, uh, girlfriend measuring contest between uh, Stark and Thor. <laughs> the whole party scene is, was, is... Yeah, the whole party is brilliant. I, I Genuinely, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I would watch these people just hang out for two hours, please. How much money do you think that would make? I think it would make nearly as much as the as the explosive version. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. It'd be interesting to see if they actually would be balls enough to try it. And, you know, I know that uh, I, I, I caught a glimpse of Nick's notes earlier and he's written boring third act. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I've, we've had this argument before. I think there's more than enough character beats in the third acts of Winter Soldier, uh, the first Avengers, and uh, Thor The Dark World mm. to make all the roughly generic pounding and punching and... and I defend um, the first Avengers film. I, I think that yeah. that is a third act huge battle that is full of great beats and does get it right. I don't agree with you on Winter Soldier and I, I don't agree with this one. I, I I wanted to love it, but I got bored. Okay. That just my... That's that's fight, your prerogative. My, my that's sense. Can but... we um, can we get Nick taken out? Please? <laughs> that's, be uh, but but we'll come we'll come to that in a minute. But let's talk more about that party scene because it is it mm. is fantastic and the hammer lifting scene and, and all. Mm. It was a great return for Rosie. Proving, yes. proving that War Machine is not an anecdote machine. He's only got one. <laughs> he just keeps <laughs> telling everyone who will listen. Boom. Uh, it was just hilarious. Um, that was that was really fun. I mean, just every beat of that of that sequence is fun. Mm. There's a there's a tiny throwaway remark there about um, uh, Falcon looking for Bucky. I don't know if anyone picked it up. Yeah. But he yeah. says you've got me chasing cold leads on our missing person case. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what that is, mm -hmm. people. Anyone who didn't notice, lots of World War Two veterans in there, including one of Stanley's. Best cameos. Excelsior. I think we can all agree. Excelsior. Black Widow doing some bartending. Black Widow. Yes, and I like that flirting scene because it it it's slightly incoherent, and you could see Bruce getting lost halfway mm. through, uh, which I thought was was kind of fun actually, um, and you know justifies her calling him a giant dork, which is fair. <laughs> uh, I thought yeah, so I thought that was really cute. Where did uh, I, I enjoyed that the flirty, the romance, yeah. the fact that they okay they're in love and everything, but. I, I didn't see any seeds of it really? previous to didn't this film. You? Really? I just didn't. This is but then, interesting. I, you know, I'm, ter I'm terrible at picking up on this, this kind of stuff. No, this, like this like is, Banner. This <laughs> is interesting because that's, that's, that's how Because again, this is something we were discussing in the office the other day. Um, and I've, I've, you know, and Whedon himself, you know, in the uh, interview we just did, said that people are angry about this. Some people are angry about this uh, because some people think that uh, uh, Natasha and Clint should be together. Mm. Some people think that Natasha and Steve should be together because mm. she flirted with them outrageously in The Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then Whedon obviously thinks and Marvel have agreed that it should be Natasha and Bruce. And there's actually there's more than a flirtation there, there's actually a love affair. And I absolutely see that coming. And I can absolutely see where it comes from. They have a connection and a chemistry all the way through the mm. first Avengers movie. That, and you can imagine it just increasing in the adventures that we don't see, the ones mm. that are off screen in this movie. You know, with Clint, it's like... They're friends, they've been friends for yeah. years and they have a really, really strong bond and she's bummed out when her friend is possessed by exactly. an Asgardian god, uh, as you would be. With Steve, I think it's a physical thing. 
I think well, the guy looks like Chris Evans, and she's a lady, and you know, and he's a guy, and she okay, looks like Scarlett. Think, she looks being, like she looks yeah. like Scarlett Johansson, and he's attracted to her, and she's attracted to him, but, and that's but what I think, it is. But I think there's an element there of just them being too similar for there to be anything actually serious. Yeah, I think they both realised that they couldn't. Yeah. They, yeah. Um, and and there's and the flirtation, like a lot of the flirtation, is her trying to set him up with other people. Yeah, which she does consistently yeah. through the Winter Soldier. A good point. So, you know. A good point. But also um, uh, a point to make about Natasha and Bruce is that to bring Empire Strikes Back up as another example, the Han and Leia thing does come out of left field for me, yeah, largely yeah, because yeah, that's fair, that's Lucas fair. is. <laughs> backpedaling rapidly from the fact that brother and sister are attracted to each other. No, Eep. They, um, they even have a long kiss in Empire. They, they, it's yeah, weird and creepy and freaky. Although he probably didn't even know they were brother and sister at that point. But it's good that they went in a different direction. And for me, this doesn't come out of left field, and I, I really, I really like it. I, um, and it changed as you know. You'll hear you know Charles talk about it. it did change a lot as things went on, but. Uh, mm. I like it. I, I kind of wanted those kids to have a happy ending. It, it also, it also, get, you know, gave him a good excuse to make a joke about hiding the gherkin. <laughs> um, and I would say that that did make me realise. I think you know, for all the talk of the Marvel films being you know brighter and breezier and not as serious as some of their superhero counterparts, I think I'm right in saying that there's more swearing, sexual references, and blood in this film alone than there was in the entire Dark Knight trilogy. The first word is a swear word for this film, right? Isn't the yeah. first word shit? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, Language. The first, yeah, the first proper Sorry. bit of dialogue is mm. shit. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then the Dark Knight trilogy was very asexual, wasn't it, really? Mm. Well, it's Batman. Yeah. You know, you're either asexual or you're going, you know, him and Robin, all that business. Yeah. But no, I just, I just think, you know, just, just for the in overall reputations... You, you kind of, the, the Marvel was seen as, you know, lighter and funnier. There was some good innuendo in this yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, it, it pushes it further, I think, in certain areas. Well, doesn't, at one point, Bruce says, don't make it hard, don't make it hard for me. And then Tasha goes, I thought that was my job. And <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, yeah. what? It's like straight out of <laughs> carry on film. You adjusted your, yeah, your but, glasses. But again, it's, but it's, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those innuendos that is going to go over little kids' heads. Like quite a long way over, I think. I think it's it's subtle enough that you can get away with it. It's carrying on up the Tesseract, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's let, let me carry on up the Rainbow Bridge. Let me tell you sometime <laughs> what my nine-year-old son made of the uh, Keymaster and the Gatekeeper lines in uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh dear. Honestly, that took me thirty years to get that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> I really didn't get it at all. But yeah. um, I still don't get hide the gherkin. Uh, one thing that's also quite impressive in terms of effects is uh, is the matching up of her body doubles and uh, Scarlett herself mm. so that her pregnancy during shooting isn't immediately obvious. There are quite a lot of scenes where she's shot from the boobies up. but um, <laughs> I didn't notice. Can I astound, that's a technical you, all. Name Can I astound you all with a fact? Please do. Uh, Scarlett's uh, body double mm -hmm. in this sister... Okay. Is Evangeline Lilly's body double Ant Man? <laughs> That's the most confusing sentence that, I've ever said. Wow! They're the body double sisters. Body double sisters. Body I can't remember the names, sisters. but yeah, that wow. is. That do you is want me to do, do you want me to astound you with another fact, please? Uh, the uh, her body double in this movie was, is an actress called Dominique Provost Chocolate. Mm -hmm. Okay, who was on set. She was dressed as uh, Scarlet that day. She plays in the film. She has a role in the film Srinka. So you know the the woman on Sokovia. Who the has the, the blonde woman with the, with the you know and the kid, and uh, who's in the trailer featured in the trailer because she was quite you know with the the collage. She plays Srinka in the film, 
So there's a little bit of oh, that is a good trivia for you. Okay. That's well. fabulous. There yes. Okay. Can I? Can I? Uh, something else I, I actually really appreciated about this movie. I thought the handling of Hawkeye. Yes. yes. Was really good. I kind of like that meta moment where he, where he um, he says, uh, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not into the whole mind control thing," because <gasps> I, I think. It was pretty obvious that uh, Renner himself was never that happy with the whole mind control <laughs> storyline. <laughs> so the fact that they let Renner uh, have his, you know, that the Joss let Renner have his have his little little moment with that. Um, but I actually really like the fact that they revealed he's married, he's got kids. You know, you know, speaking as a boring married man with kids myself, it's nice to actually see someone like that. Getting their getting their moment in a superhero team. Absolutely. In, instead, instead he kills off the guy who is in in a different uh, franchise at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also the actor. Wonder why that one. <laughs> but also probably the actor who didn't want to sign up for nine films. I would. Imagine. Uh, okay. Okay. But it was good. Someone died. You know, I always like to see people die. <laughs> I'd be very interested to know Aaron Taylor Johnson's situation contractually because I think he did sign up for nine films. Really. Yeah. And as Whedon said, there was a Cutler film until very late in the day where he did live. So I think that it was, I, I'm, you know, I perhaps phrased this indelicately when I was to, uh, speaking to Joss about this, but I am actually glad that Quicksilver's dead. And not because I didn't like the character. I don't, I think this film lost the Quicksilver war. I think the, the, the character's used in a much more eye-catching way in Days of Future Past. But uh, because I think there needs to be consequences. Uh, a, a fin finally, someone needs to die in this universe. A major character needs to die and stay dead Do you know for at least a minute. <laughs> If, was there ever a draft where Scarlet Witch didn't make it to the end? Because I read an interview, um, I think Kevin Feige said last week, that mm -hmm. originally it was Captain Marvel in that final shot. Yeah. yeah. And they replaced it, her with Scarlet Witch at oh. the last minute. Yeah, uh, she, she was maybe drafted in at the last minute as an Avenger, but you know, uh, she made it to the end of the movie. Mm. It was Quicksilver who died. And obviously ended up, uh, ended up dying. Mm. Uh, do, should we talk Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch? I mean, do we, yeah. what do we make of those characters? How did we, they get their powers? Uh, it's experimentation with how with what Baron von Strucker Hydra with, with the mind stone the, spe the scepter oh with the se the scepter the okay yeah. right cool mm -hmm. oh, so, oh so I mean, that's the connection between her and Vision there's a little thing going on maybe there then yeah In well there is there is just that moment when he first em emerges from the cocoon if you will and mm. everybody's sort of like <gasps> and there's a moment where she's like mm. a slightly more yeah. <gasps> than everyone mm. else like she's got some intimation of the future the possible future who knows if they'll follow the comments or maybe she's just astonished by his complete and utter lack of genitalia I do think right um, Elizabeth Olsen's um, hand twirly <laughs> stuff is, yeah. is, is it's not only really fun to do yes. yourself but it's good she does that very well yeah, yeah I think sort of Tai Chi kind of feel to it like yeah. you're harnessing the energies of your own body and mm. pushing them outwards. It's yeah, good. and while I was watching that third act, I was just thinking, how many days must you have spent on a soundstage just going, blah, 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 blah. you can't really see what I'm doing. But <laughs> make, make the noises, make the noises, I like those. <laughs> That's good noise. That sound like, uh, they, should have, they, they should record you doing that and actually <laughs> put it onto the film. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably preferred Scarlet Witch to Quicksilver if we have to take sides. Do we have, have to take, take sides? Taking, out, taking a side, fine. it's like Civil War. <laughs> Scarlet Witch. Uh, I, I I didn't think Quicksilver was quite as fun as the uh, the X Men yeah. mutation. He's a different uh, version, isn't he? He's more tortured. He has a darker, more tragic mm. backstory. But again, I guess a lot lost of the his stuff Walkman. That, yeah, a lot of the stuff that was cut out, I think, gave them more of a personality. Um, but I I I I liked Aaron Taylor Johnson in the role. I thought he was he was he was good. His interactions with Jeremy Renner were fine. It gave that just enough 
emotional ballast, if you will, to make his sacrifice at the end work. Did, did mm. you see that the, the new Hawkeye kid, has his middle name was Pietro? Yes. Daniel Pietro, Pietro yeah. Barton. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Very cute. Uh, did you see, I, I also love the moment where uh, Hawkeye is considering putting an arrow in his back. <laughs> no one, no. <laughs> yeah, did you spot that Quicksilver wears Adidas trainers? Oh, really? yes, I did. Oh, did you and, spot one yes, of the and, many, and, many, many bits where they show that? And Tony Stark is still driving Audis. In fact, everyone is still driving Audis. My favourite mm. bit of product and placement. And everyone's wearing Under Armour. Yeah, my favourite bit of product placement was Bruce Banner <laughs> when they have a Gillette can. And when you're watching it in 3D, the Gillette shaving foam is literally just coming out of the screen at your face. Really? I missed all of this. Yeah, yeah. We haven't talked about the Hulk v Hulkbuster oh, sequence. God, yeah. My favourite scene in the movie. Why, why Veronica, first of all? I can answer ah, that. I can Helen, answer that. Can I, Helen, answer that. Please. Um, the popular American comic book strip, Archie, has Archie perpetually torn between two ladies called Betty and Veronica. Betty, of course, is also the name of Bruce Banner's... Ex. Ex. Veronica, therefore, is the missing link, as yeah. it were. I think it's an easy choice for him, isn't it? It's the one that's not smashing the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene, oh, that scene was so much fun, I thought. I really enjoyed it. The, talking of great action beats, there were just so many little moments in that that made me smile. I loved the, using the elevator as a mace. <laughs> and he's letting the people out and then he just smacks him over the head with it and maybe my favourite shot in the movie is just when uh, the whole, whole Tony in the whole Buster suit is just pounding his head and the <laughs> arm's just going he's going go, go, to sleep, sleep, go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep, sleep. it's so good I, I, I really love uh, there's a bit I, I think the Hulk didn't get quite as many amazing ah moments as he did in the first one no, because there was no. an attempt to deepen the character and give him the, the Black Widow stuff but I loved some really really loved some Hulk moments I loved when he goes into the, uh, the Quinjet at the end of the movie and off camera grabs Ultron and flings him out. All you hear is Ultron going, oh, for God's God sake. sake. <laughs> just, as Ultron's slowly being weakened uh, and is proving no longer a threat. <laughs> just the, the Hulk treats uh, Avengers bad guys as some sort of... You know, Chew like, toy, basically. Yeah, I really love that. I also love the uh, the moment where Black Widow kisses him and then pushes him into a well. That's great. <laughs> and then he comes back as the heroic Hulk. But uh, my favourite bit is when uh, Stark in the Hulkbuster outfit punches him so hard he spits out a tooth and the look the Hulk gives him <laughs> and then that perfect cut to start going I'm sorry <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful because that could have been so easily an utterly monotonous Man of Steel-esque that smash as much property and I did recoil when they destroyed that building at the end yeah. I was mm. like oh that's a bit much it, it's anti-Man of Steel that. isn't it in it that, is they're, in that yeah. they're trying very hard Tony's trying very hard to keep the to casualties. get him out of yeah. town to keep the casualties yeah, yeah and he protecting says, people as they're fighting yeah. yeah he even says let's get you out of town and then the Hulk keeps the fight in the town then he brings him to a, a derelict building which is conveniently free of people um, and it's all the way through the movie it feels like a reaction to Man of Steel and to the criticisms mm -hmm. Man of Steel were, you know, so there's like the train sequence in, in, in Seoul yeah. where the train's crashing and Quicksilver's running quickly to bring people out of the way of that and mm. they're trying to keep the collateral damage and obviously in Sokovia the battle begins with them trying to get all the people out quietly as if Ultron's not you know, not aware of it. But yeah, I really like that stuff. The S.H.I.E.L.D. was interesting in terms of, um, you know, saving civilians. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. was really only destroyed one film ago uh, in The Winter Soldier. Yeah. And it's... I don't think it's back in the in the. It's in not back way. to the same extent, but yeah. it's interesting that it's sort of back at all, actually. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting decision i mean it, that it's back in a smaller form though probably still plays well with the with the ongoing tv show which for anyone not watching it's gotten good again <laughs> second half of first season was really good the first few episodes of season two were a little bit shaky but then they've basically now gotten into 
some very interesting stuff that's setting up future Marvel properties and may even play a little bit of a role with uh, with Wanda and Pietro um, because they're bringing in the whole idea of the Inhumans uh, into Marvel lore and they're essentially, I think, going to take the place of the mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel TV Universe. Um, so there may be a link there again. More importantly... Yeah. Was Nick Fury in that barn the entire time? <laughs> How long was he there? How long was he? He just likes to spend time in barns. He moves around, you know. He's 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 like the littlest hobo. I also he's quite large. Um, I also love the fact that he had a spare heli carrier that he just found. He's like, mm. oh yeah, no, I had. I wonder if it was like, dude, where's my car? But with a heli carrier, <laughs> <laughs> where he's like just lost his heli carrier. Do you think he went like a massive parking facility, had the keys, and was trying to <laughs> beep beep, or is it? Beep, beep. Oh, it's there. It's over there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's the massive hell the carrier shape thing. Now that's where I left it. You've got to have um, a spare. I like it. I really like that moment. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a real, you know, obviously we know they're not going to die, but you are wondering how are they going to get out of this situation? And then he appears mm. and the music's all, yeah, Alan Silvestri themes, which for my money are probably still better than the. I like the Danny Elfman and Brian Tyler stuff, but Silvestri wins for me. Uh, that comes back and it's really, really good. And also one of the, uh, one of the shield guys on the, uh, one of the featured shield guys is Aaron Himmelstein, who uh, was in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The guy who goes, they're packed and stacked. They're lo- There's a lot of people on the boat. That guy, uh, he's back. And he's a character name this time, doesn't he? he yeah, has, specialist yeah. Cameron Klein. Cameron Klein, there we go. So there's a little nods again to the extended universe going on. What was your favourite uh, moment in the film? I think it was maybe Cap moving the hammer or Vision handing over the hammer. That's a really boring answer. But the hammer yeah. is involved. The hammer is involved. Dan. Okay. The cuttlefish speech. Andy Serkis's cuttlefish speech. Andy Serkis's cuttlefish speech. Yeah. Because it combined my two favourite things in the world. <laughs> Andy Serkis. <laughs> One, Andy Serkis. <laughs> two, cuttlefish. Okay. Uh, um, no, no, I just th- I thought that was that was that was a good fun left field weirdy weird kind of kind of moment. You, all of a sudden you're like, what? Yeah. Um, and, and, and also there's something about and I'm not gonna try it, saying saying the word cuttlefish with, with a South African kind of accent. Mm. Um, I, I just, I just thought that. Was, I love that, that was too. Really it's Cuttlefish yeah. finally getting their due in a Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been so many years. My favourite bit, if we don't count the whole Hulkbuster fight, which I loved, uh, yeah. I loved all the little little Weedonian little gags mm. here and there. I love the Jarvis is my co-pilot sticker yes. that they've got in the Quinjet. Brilliant. Jarvis take the wheel. Also, all that stuff was great. So, yep. Uh, I really liked Chris Evans as Cap in this one. Yeah, I think this is a role that could be ridiculous in the wrong hands, and he absolutely turns it. He owns it so much that you know it makes perfect sense that he is the the leader of the Avengers. He's the one who has the you know all the the heroic moments, and but he also has those. those he has a, he has a couple of moments when he when he kicks Ultron off the off a bridge at the end. He goes, "What's that? You didn't finish." You know, it's just he has a little moment, a few moments of quippiness, which which weren't there in the character previously. Which, I, which yeah, I inco- really incoming cool. already came in that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. I just I love Cap to bits. I just think he's it's it's just brilliant to have someone so straightforwardly moral and then put him in interesting situations with weird characters because you just it just kind of magnifies everything and makes everything a little bit more interesting than it otherwise would be. Um, and also because it's been a, it's actually been kind of a long time since we've seen a relatively uncomplicatedly moral figure in a film like this because even mm. Man of Steel that he was not the straightforward stars and stripes superman he was all tortured and whatnot and while while cap has his element of of being tortured by his past and you know regretting things and so on you also get the sense that he wouldn't actually change what's gone before and that's why he's not as incapacitated by scarlet witch as everyone else because ultimately he's he's fairly sure he did the right thing and Mm. yes he you know 
regrets missing out on Peggy, but given the same situation over, um, apart from how it should have ended, if he could have come up with something, <laughs> some other way of getting down the plane, you know, he would have done the same thing again. I liked his vision in yeah. the uh, ballroom of the Overlook Hotel, presumably. <laughs> um, that was really nice. It was nice to see yeah. uh, Peggy back. I, I didn't quite quite get actually Tony's Tony's vision. I didn't really because it seemed more about the first the first film than no. than than a vision of what would happen. Duncan still had the Chitari aren't beaten. They're still uh, they're still hanging around there. They'll still be Thanos's guys, his go to guys. And so his vision was that as things will stand, the wormhole will open up again one day. Someone will open it up, and more Chitari will will plunge through it, yeah. and the Avengers won't be able to stop it. And they'll all die. There's someone on the steps, actually. There's a there's who I didn't recognise. It was in sort of body armor, but I presume that's just like a shield soldier. Yeah, there were a few. But um, so the Chitori presumably are busy manufacturing more snake ships. Yeah. Yeah. Giant snake ship factories. Yeah, they are. Will they be back in Infinity War? Who knows? But uh, you you never know. You never know. Mm. Um, Thanos has finally got his glove on. He does. He's finally put it on. He does. <laughs> we, we, we were fascinated about that, that the end of the, the, the mid-credits sting. And to be fair, they've been saying there's no post-credits sting. At this point in time, there's still no reports that the rumoured post-credits sting with certain, you know, friendly neighbourhood wall crawler is a real thing. That It seems to have been an incredibly elaborate, expensive hoax. But anyway, um, but that, that thing with Thanos at the end, certainly the second time I watched it with a big, big audience of, of normal people <laughs> you know, who don't you know, go to see movies for free. They actually pay to see them. Um, the reaction to Thanos' appearance was completely different to three years ago when he shows up at the end of Avengers and everyone pretty much went, who's that? People thought it was Hellboy. Yeah, yeah there, Hellboy? there was one guy at the back of our cinema, I remember, just shouting, Thanos! Yeah. <laughs> whereas now... Was it Thanos? <laughs> yeah, He's sneaking into cinemas. Come whereas, on! Whereas now, he, he appears, for me, it's probably a... Least, one of the least satisfying Marvel stings but at the same he appears gets on the glove and basically says it's on and so many people went oh exciting <laughs> and that, I think that's really intriguing to you know, see where you know Marvel have got this thing in, in just three years that Thanos is now just he, he represents something very very quickly because we do have to wrap up very very quickly indeed I love the ending uh, with the new Avengers where do you think this can go with that the makeup of that team I, I would I would I would like uh, Black Widow and Scarlet Witch to change names because I just find it confusing because <laughs> she's called Scarlet Witch but she's got dark hair and she's called Black Widow and she's got red hair. Oh, so, so if, reductive. If, if, if Look they at could, the costume. If they could swap names, that, that, would, that would just make me happy. If the new line, you know, people could Would you could, accept could Scarlet that. Widow and... Scarlet no. Widow and Black Witch? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. With that. Excellent. So to, or Scarlet... Black Scarlet and Widow Witch. Let's no, that's just confusing. Quickly, okay. quickly <laughs> refresh me on the new team. So it's... Uh, new team. Captain America. Yep. Uh, uh, Widow Witch. Um, Captain America, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, yep. the Falcon. Yep. Okay, so Cap's best bud. Uh, we have War Machine mm-hmm. and we have the Vision. Mm. So they have and Hawkeye, they, right? No, he's, he's gone. But he's, he's gone, but I thought War. his wife totally supported his avenging. Yeah, but he also said, this is, my, this is it, one last uh, job, yeah, I'm done. Is Ant-Man going to be in the Avengers? Who knows? Who knows? Things to be seen. It's all very exciting. But my feeling is, and this is interesting, because Vision's in the team, and Vision's incredibly powerful, but my feeling is that if, if Thanos shows up in Infinity War Part 1, shows up on Earth, the idea is that he will face a an Avengers team that is missing most of, if not all, of its heavy hitters. We know it won't have Hulk, Thor, or Iron Man. It may not have Cap at that point. So the idea with they, they could be lambs to slaughter even though Vision is incredibly powerful. So that's interesting. Unless some of those people come back. But we shall see. For Part 2. For part two, we shall see. But we shall see. But I, I thought it was interesting. I love the ending. Avengers, 
and then just cut it off before assemble. I bet yeah. there are people yelling out assemble in <laughs> cinemas. <laughs> And Thanos just yelling, Thanos, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I think that there will be a very big sting on Ant-Man, the end of Ant-Man. That's my prediction. <laughs> really? A sting? Well, we haven't had any major Doctor Strange set up, for example. Yeah, this so is true. There's, there's stuff still to be played for. This is true. That would okay. be magic. All right. Okay, that's enough because we're about to be kicked out of the booth. There's so much, still so much. I'm, like I'm going to race through your uh, circus. Yeah, uh, Hawkeye. <laughs> yep. Uh, Alpine setting party. Hulkbuster. Charvis, my co-pilot. Ultron. Yep. Random thoughts. What's harder, vibranium or adamantium? <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> this is my ultra nerdy uh, debate question, which was too boring to bring up. But um, yeah, well, adamantium or vibranium? say vibranium, and uh, Fox say adamantium. Adamantium is a man-made metal, I think, so it's maybe not a, an element. So mm. maybe one is the stronger element and the other one is Well, if the you want to have a really element. fun day, go online and Google this because I found a <laughs> lot of forums where people are getting really angry and debating this very issue. All right. WTF, still in Skarsgård, you've also written down, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> and how long has Samuel L. Jackson been in that barn? As long as it takes. These are the, these are the big issues. All right, we've we got to wrap it up. There's so much to talk about. If you have anything else we didn't... Uh, Clarify, then do tweet us, email us, podcast. That is the post credits spoiler special klaxon. It is about a week after we recorded the bulk of the spoiler special. Helen and I have taken ourselves to the pod booth because there are some things that are nagging away at me that I don't think we covered in great detail in the spoiler special podcast. And so Helen and I, as the died in the wool in the tank, Marvel geeks, are here to to talk about some stuff. One of the things, um, I've seen the film a couple more times since we recorded the Spoiler Special podcast, uh, and one of the things I don't really think we got into was the end of the film. And by that, I mean what the new team means and where the MCU can go next and what it means that the vision in particular uh, has the Mind Stone. Okay, well, in terms of the Mind Stone, presumably that means that... Uh, on the most obvious level, Thanos can't assemble the Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. without ripping the Vision's head apart a little bit. Yes. I mean, I'm guessing this isn't something you can detach to wash it. Like, that's that's pretty much, you know, that's that's, that's attached. It seems that's, stuck. On, that's on there. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem to be falling out at any yeah. time. Yeah. So so that makes him a direct roadblock mm-hmm. to Thanos' aims. Yes. And if Thanos wants to assemble the whole gauntlet, mm-hmm. that means at some point the vision has to be at the very least incapacitated, if not actually full on deaded. <laughs> full on deadified. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. But also, I think it's what's interesting is that the way they've scattered the Infinity Stones mm-hmm. across different, as we discussed in the, yeah. on the in the main pod, different people have it in different planets. But clearly, it means that Thanos uh, is going to have to get up his off his butt and do something about it. And what's interesting now is that finally they have a chance to make this character intimidating. He's just sitting around, floating on his big porta potty uh, with his deep, rumbly voice, and everyone's scared of him. He mentioned Thanos, and I was like, don't, don't mention Thanos. Yeah. But actually, he hasn't really done anything to warrant that reputation. Uh, and I, I've got a feeling that there's a there's going to be a big task for, presumably he shows up in Guardians 2. I would guess, yeah. And uh, James Gunn and the writers of Infinity Wars Part 1 and 2 and the Russo brothers as well. To, uh, to make that character work as a villain who's not just a generic bad guy. 
I mean, we have already seen him standing behind villains. We have already seen him manipulating, manipulating people, sending people out to do his bidding, and that bidding has been pretty horrible. Mm. So I guess th- they've got a little bit of a head start in that sense. Um, and I think actually the mo- most powerful thing in terms of his badness so far has been from uh, Gamora and Nebula. Um, and sort of showing the, the the twisted way that he treated his quote unquote children. Yes. Um, so I think that that helps give them something to build on, definitely for him. Um, but you're right; it, it's a big it's a big job of work to establish him as a big, big, big bad, a super bad, if you will. Because we know roughly that Stark has that vision. Tony has that vision. Yeah. He sees the Avengers dead. Uh, He's um, certainly convinced of the reality of that. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that it's the future it means it could mean it's a possible future it could mean it's his fears brought to life i mean it was an interesting it wasn't entirely specified was it with with scarlet witch's visions exactly how far they could be relied upon whether they are a set future a possible future um uh, you know a set past a possible past i mean certainly cap's vision Mm -hmm. had elements of hallucination yes so how much of the rest was, you know, reliable in the same way? Absolutely. But uh, it, I, I, a friend of mine saw it and he thought that, that the, uh, the vision that Tony has was setting up a cataclysmic event for the Avengers at the end of the movie. That, you know, they would, so that would oh, lead to that in the movie. I think it's a, it's a longer term goal, that yes. vision, ultimately. Uh, I think Nick and Dan were expressing some uh, reservations about Tony's lack of remorse in this in this movie, and the fact that he almost instantly becomes glib Tony again after creating, as, as Bruce says, a murder bot that you know wants to wipe out humanity. But I think there are elements of that. You know, mm. he has a conversation with Fury in the in the barn where he talks about. He says, "I saw the Avengers dead, and it was because of me. It's all on me." But I think it's Tony's way, even when he's in Iron Man three suffering with PTSD, that only when that overwhelms him. But you can see in the. Um, in the scene where where where, um, where Wanda in, infects him with that vision, yeah, when he's on his own, when he's not performing. showboating, yeah. performing, there is something there. There's a darkness there. There's something that that's eating away at him. I think definitely. It's, it's interesting in regards to Civil War, isn't as well because right now he doesn't have his company. He's handed that off to Pepper. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run it anymore. Mm-hmm. He noodles around inventing amazing stuff on the back of a napkin. He also, we're told, has has retired from the Avengers. Yes. So. The biggest, busiest mind in the world yes. is currently at a loose end. <laughs> and uh, that seems like it could cause trouble for anybody. So I can see that the the crusade, if you like, in Civil War, assuming it in any way reflects the comics, is the kind of thing that would take root in the circumstances in which we leave him mm-hmm. at the end of Ultron. Absolutely. Um, so that's actually a really clever piece of, of setup, I think. Also, the team is very interesting. So when Civil War kicks off, yeah, uh, that team, as it stands right now, you could divide it into Tony allies and and Steve allies. So you would say if it all goes, if it all kicks off big time, okay, the Vision, the right. artist formerly known as Jarvis, <laughs> you would expect that he would naturally maybe side with Tony Stark. I don't know. War he's on the side of life. Would start with side with yeah, War Machine Tony Stark. Would. Yes. So Rhodey would side with side with Stark uh, on Cap's side. You would presumably have uh, Natasha. Yes, probably. The Falcon, obviously. Yes. And you mean Scarlet Witch, who had a bigger interaction with with um, with Steve during the movie. Uh, so that might be interesting. I wonder if there might be a delineation of of loyalties and 
if that might be somewhere where it goes in Civil War as well. I wonder if they'll all be in it. That's uh, that's interesting. I can kind of see you could play, you could maybe play Falcon either way there. You know, he is a military yeah. guy like Rhodey. Yeah. So there might be a there might be a, a you know a, a loyalty to the government there because because that's what's so surprising in the comic version anyway about Cap yeah. is is him realizing that his government no longer stands for his beliefs, if you will. And that came as a bit of a shock. And they, they, they touched on that a little bit in Winter Soldier already, which I loved. I wonder if if it makes it more shocking if he goes against Falcon. And if in the sort of, for all the shippers out there, if he has to choose between <laughs> Bucky and Falcon. <laughs> I'm not entirely kidding. So, yeah. you know, there's an interesting kind well, of All the slash fiction there. people out there who are writing stuff about. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if they paid particular attention to the line uh, at the end when, when Tony says, you know, I'm going to build a farm of pepper, you know, you want that. And then Steve says, family, stability, that the guy, guy, the guy who wanted that went at the ice yeah. 75 years ago. Maybe someone else came out. <gasps> just saying, yes. just saying. Oh, they've already picked up on that. Chris. Have they? Oh, yes. Okay. There we go. Well done, them. I want to pick up something else okay. from that, that line of caps in a second. But uh, yeah, in terms of people who are confirmed for Civil War at the moment, so it's it's um, obviously <laughs> Stephen Tony. I should probably refer to them as the actor's names. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson is confirmed, Elizabeth Olsen is confirmed, um, Anthony Mackie is confirmed. Good. So the only ones from the Avengers team who aren't confirmed yet are Don Cheadle and Paul Bettany. Right. And uh, I'm pretty sure that they will show up okay. at some point in Civil War. And we know that um, Hawkeye is in it as well. I don't know how they're going to I don't, honestly don't know how they're going to work him into it, given that he's now retired and he's he's literally bought the farm without buying the farm. Maybe he we, maybe he just went home, rested for a while, and then well, a paternity leave. It seems pretty definitive to me. At the end, she was basically saying one last job, all that sort of stuff. He's gonna he's gonna retire. To yeah, a, but that a was life. when he was messing with our heads. I don't know. I think it could okay. it literally could be paternity leave. It all was right. one last job in that mission, if you like. Uh, okay, uh, so in, in terms of the in terms of the future as well, there was all this speculation that Infinity War Part 1 might involve Thanos showing up on Earth because he needs the Infinity Stone. Now he has a compelling reason to come to Earth rather than just they thwarted my plans the last time. He mm-hmm. has a compelling reason to come to Earth. He needs to get the Mind Stone. Um, and the idea was that maybe without the heavy hitters on the team, no Iron Man, no Thor, maybe no Cap following the offensive Civil War, who knows, and no Hulk, that the Avengers team would be easier for him to rip apart, thus necessitating the return of the big guns from wherever they are in Infinity, uh, Infinity War, War Part, Part two. 2 could be uh, but I'm going to ask you a question do you think this team at the end of, of Avengers uh, Age of Ultron is more or less powerful than the Avengers hmm. I mean know? Scarlet Witch and the Vision probably have more firepower than any of the team today. the Vision seems more powerful than any of them yes the Vision's I mean the Vision's easily above Thor Theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. There's a Thor gives him a respect, a healthy distance. Yes. Uh, he knows that this is another major player. He can lift me all near. We know that. What does that mean? Um, Here's a question: Does he yeah. goes? Does he skip Civil War and go straight to Ragnarok? Thor. Yeah. Yes. No. Um, Vision. The Vision. The Vision turn up in Asgard. Why not? I don't think so you never know you never know but it, it it's interesting to me that the but they're a raw team they're they're not sure. seasoned so maybe if, if the and of course spider-man would be floating around as well but if the shit hits the fan or shit hits the thanos then who knows <laughs> they might get torn apart uh very very quickly a couple of things i just want to go through really really quickly the end of the film 
Right. When the, the scene between Steve uh, and Natasha and 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 uh, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury, when you know she's staring at the wall and just yeah. before they go and train new recruits, was shot at my wife's work. Hooray! Did not know that until uh, until she saw the movie with me. And she was going, "That was shot at our work." Ages ago. So that was like just early clear, production. That yeah. is the XL. The XL in London. In London. So yeah, the uh, the big convention space. We talked about this in the main pod, but we didn't really get into it, mainly because I inadvertently shut it down, didn't really mean to. Uh, Hulk in space. Whedon on the spoiler uh, interview said that he intended to maybe leave it a bit open, but so that there would be a glint, uh, glimpse of stars uh, through the Quinjet's window. So you might think that the Hulk is going into space. Um, but it doesn't seem that he is going into space. That was a big rumor that he was going yeah. to be shot into space as a la Planet Hulk, a la World War Hulk, all sure. that sort of stuff, setting off that, that, that arc in motion, and that he would end up in Guardians 2. Uh, it doesn't seem to be going that way. We didn't see that. It doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily happen. But, but does you're the right. Quinjet have deep space capability? I don't think it does. <laughs> I, I've been I, sleep as nights, Helen. Sleep as nights. But maybe he'll just get picked up by a passing alien ship. <laughs> maybe he does. That's it. That's what happened. Maybe Thanos. <laughs> Thanos gives him a lift. He's sitting there with the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's got the thumb out. Don't know why that makes any sense. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to pick on very, very quickly. Um, Black Widow says Shellhead in this one. She calls yes, Iron Man Shellhead, I enjoyed that. which I believe is the first time anyone's called him by his nickname in the uh, in the entire series. Um, and we didn't really talk about Widow. Not really. We talked about Bruce and Natasha, but we didn't talk about Widow herself mm. on the main pod. Do you have any any take on? Well, there's been a little bit of controversy over her line calling herself a monster, with people thinking that that reflects that that refers to her yes sterilization. And yeah. I think it doesn't because the line after that, before she calls herself a monster, Is refers killing. to the Ill- easiness of killing. Yeah. And I think that's what she's talking about. So, uh, in defence of the screenwriting, there, I think that's what she means. Uh, you're, but people are right; it doesn't 100 percent come across that way but I just really liked her I love seeing her get so much to do I love that she's one of the wryest and funniest members of the team and in some ways the kind of glue that binds them she's the one Mm. with obviously she has a close relationship to Bruce here she also has a very close and long-standing relationship to Hawkeye and and has this great working relationship we've seen with Cap as well Um, she is kind of the yeah the glue in the team a little bit less I guess maybe with Thor a little bit with with Stark historically, but she mm. is um, she's key, which I like. Yeah, I think she's great. I, I love the way she can turn on the dime. She can really turn it on that sort of sexy femme fatale charm yeah. that she has during that scene with Bruce at the party, and then yeah. you know the raw emotion at the at the end. And I think had she been more available, um, for obvious you know very very legitimate personal reasons, <laughs> uh, there might have been more of her. Who knows? Um, it was certainly interesting that Whedon said that he retooled the Black Widow Hulk relationship quite mm-hmm. a lot. But yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, and one last thing, uh, that thing Steve says at the end to Tony about a uh, guy went in the ice. Uh, the guy went in the ice seventy five years ago. He says seventy five years ago. Now he went in the ice nineteen forty three. That makes that means the events of Avengers: Age of Ultron take place in twenty eighteen. Well, maybe he was approximate. Approximate. I mean, he's not counting out going, wait, 72 years ago. You like, said he can't we, count. Um, I would never say that, no. Okay, all right. I just think it's interesting because okay, it's like a futuristic all right, event, maybe. Fair enough, fair enough. Also, uh, Joss did say that the end of the film takes place several months later, which is obviously why Nathaniel Pietro Barton is born. Got you. But Thor has bruises on his head. So what's he been up to? Uh, reveling. Reveling. Revels. Revels with the, the Jotunheim Frost Beast. <laughs> Which is still knocking around London last time we checked. Uh, Helen, do you have anything else to add? I think we've covered everything comprehensively. 
We have, Chris. We have. Let it go. I think we have. Uh, and even if we haven't, I think you and I are going to be doing a periscope, which is an experimental thing. We haven't done this before. We're doing a periscope next week um, on, I think, Tuesday. Just to, if anyone has anything they want to talk to us about, Age of Ultron, any spoiler stuff they want to get into, maybe things we didn't cover in the spoiler podcast, Helen and I will be doing a, a periscope session just to see if it works. It's an experimental thing. Uh, so do tune in for that. It's going to be around maybe 11 o'clock uh, GMT on Tuesday. So we'll, 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 tweet it. we'll tweet it out so we'll let people know that it's going to happen. Um, and now I'm going to do the klaxon going back into the podcast. All right, do okay. it. And then my entrance, my, my exit out. Okay, here we go. Podcast klaxon noise. Next spoiler special will probably be either Tomorrowland, Mad Max Fury Road, or Jurassic World. One of those three, maybe even all three of those. But uh, keep watching our Twitter feeds. Listen to the podcast regularly and we'll, we'll update you as soon as we can. Until then, thank you so much uh, from Nick. Thanos. From Danos. Scarlet Widow. Scarlet Widow, indeed. And from, <laughs> from our very own Scarlet Widow, Helenos. Um, Cap, are we not saying goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> we've, we've evolved beyond that. Oh, okay, Humanity then. has evolved. Ultron would love this bit. Captain America, in that case. Okay, I'm off to find Andy Serkis' missing arm. Thank you so much for listening. Listen to the regular podcast every Friday. Thank you so much. Goodbye.